Shalom, shalom. Welcome to another episode of God's Little Hummingbird, the podcast where we are going through the Bible chapter by chapter using the original languages as a guide when necessary and when it really helps with the clarification. That being Hebrew and the Greek. Now, we are in 1 Samuel chapter 4 today, reading from the New King James Version Bible. This, um, this chapter... I think there's a lot of spiritual significance to our lives. So, I do pray, Father God, opens our eyes, ears, and hearts to his truth. And without any further ado, let's begin. And Samuel's words came to all Israel. Israel went out to meet the Philistines in battle and encamped at Ebenezer while the Philistines camped at Aphek. Now, I want to point out here, do you see this word here? All Israel. Samuel's words came to all Israel. Do you literally think every single person in the land of Israel was there and heard it? No, this is how Hebrew people speak, write, and live. When they say all, it doesn't mean always all. Hebrew is a very circular, open, poetic language, whereas Greek, which is, you know, the New Testament's written in Greek, is a very linear, analytical, and doesn't allow for much movement one way or the other. It doesn't allow for much interpretation, um, metaphor, language, flu, you know, the perflu- <laughs> superfluous language. It doesn't allow for the flowery touch, whereas Hebrew is filled with the flowery touch. And that is one of the hardest issues for people who are struggling with Torah. That's what, that's where they really struggle. Or even the people who come to Torah, but they have a hard time understanding the spirit of the law. It's because Hebrew doesn't function like Greek. Hebrew doesn't function like English. Now, English, I studied it, you know, linguistics, it doesn't matter. We won't go through it. But the Hebrew language is much different, but it does have some similarities. But I just want you to keep an open mind here. Because remember, after the flood, we talked about this back in the book of Genesis, Bereshit. He said, you know, all, I've given you all animals to eat when they came off the ark. But we know that wasn't true. He didn't, couldn't eat, well, it actually says the word flesh. He gave you all flesh. He can't eat people. They didn't eat dogs. And he had already said in that same chapter that they took seven clean and two unclean. Not seven pairs of clean and two pairs of unclean. Seven clean animals and two of the unclean. Okay, so we need to understand when he's saying all. <clears throat> there's, a, on it, there's, there's like a level of, co- of common sense that has to be applied. All of the things that were already food, you, you can eat you can eat meat, basically, right? Because that's always been a huge struggle amongst believers because they understood that the life was in the flesh. Many of us struggle with killing animals. I had to butcher a cow this week and I cried for two days, as did my other cows. And I understand I probably shouldn't cry, but I did. And it was very it's heartbreaking right? It's a soul. It's not the soul that goes upwards. It literally says in the scriptures and the Proverbs that the soul of animal goes downward. Or is that the Psalms? We'll get there and I'll remember. (laughs) Anyway, um, I just want to point that out. It doesn't mean that every single person in Israel heard this. Like, so some of you who are very, are very close-minded in a way that everything has to be exact, exact, literal, what is said, um, 
<laughs> then you're going to struggle with scripture and you would never have understood the Messiah when he says, hate your mother and father, because you're going to go, okay, I'm going to go hate them or pluck out your eye. You're going to go pluck out your eye or cut off your hand. It's like, oh my gosh, it's a figure of speech. Okay. So I pray that father opens our minds to comprehend the way he speaks. Verse two, the Philistines lined up in battle of formation against Israel. And as the battle intensified, Israel was defeated by the Philistines who struck down about 4,000 men on the battlefield. Now remember what is happening here. This is the land of Israel. The Levite who is in charge, Eli, his sons are wicked and he's not stopping them from, he's not stopping them from participating in the, the, the worship system that God had in place. And since he wasn't stopping them, they were polluting that which was Yahweh's and Yahweh's getting angry. And he told Samuel, he was getting mad at them. And also we're going to read different verses and we've read them. This says everybody did what was right in their own eyes. And it seems to be that that is much the case now. Everybody's so hot headed and arrogant and feels like they know best. Oh, it's so hard, but we need to wait till we know from God for sure. Yahweh from sure what he says is best. Verse three, when the troops returned to the camp, the elders of Israel asked, why did Yahweh defeat us today before the Philistines? Let's bring the Ark of Yahweh's covenant from Shiloh. Okay, then it will go with us and save us from our enemies. Okay, so basically he's, they're saying Yahweh would go. They meant, I don't think they're saying it, the Ark. But I do believe there's a transference sometimes of, of glory from the spirit of Yahweh and his being to actually the thing. If you've ever gone to a Messianic Jewish, Jewish um, synagogue on Sabbath, they venerate the Torah, the scroll. It's almost sickening because we should love the word of Yahweh, but we should not worship this paper parchment that could be burned in fire. Yet we should be so thankful and adore the creator and the savior who spoke those words to us. If that makes sense. If you haven't seen it, praise God, <laughs> you've been protected from that. But the point being here, there is a trans, they could have transferred the, the glory and worship that was due only to the father and literally put it on the ark. Who knows? That could have been in their hearts. And I believe it probably was in some people's hearts because I see that so much, you know, with magic charms or like, Ooh, these like magic crosses are going to save them, which of course the cross is a pagan symbol. I know that, but I think you get the point I'm making. So, they realize, though, here they're being defeated. Oh, let's bring the ark. Good thought. They turn to Yahweh. But let's see what happens. So the people sent men to Shiloh to bring back the ark of the covenant of Yahweh Sivuot, Yahweh of armies, the Lord of armies. The children of Israel are called to his armies, right? Okay. Who is enthroned between the cher cherubim. I could, cherubim is the Hebrew word there, but Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were there, there with the ark of the covenant of Elohim. Okay, those sons are wicked. Okay, when the Ark of the Covenant of Yahweh entered the camp, all the Israelites raised such a loud shout that the ground shook. Well, why were they happy? They really believed that God was with them. They were overlooking the fact that the priests who were in charge of this were wicked men. So they were happy because they're like, yes, God is with us. What's going to happen next is not good. And it's exactly what's going to happen soon. 
People firmly believe and have been deceived into believing there's a pre-tribulation rapture. And they truly believe that God is with them in such a way that he will just spare them from any punishment or wrath. And that's not biblical. And so, as right now, these people are arrogantly and wickedly looking forward to the day of the Lord, which we are literally commanded in Scripture to not desire that day. I can't remember if that's Micah or what prophet, one of the prophets said it. But we're so we're said, do not desire the day of the Lord, for it will be a day of darkness and gloom. It is not a day of good things, okay? And so... Here, in this situation, we see kind of a similar thing happening. These people are so excited because they really did have belief in Yahweh. So I'm trying to point out that this this is how we get so deceived. They really had a pure heart. Like, hey, this is Yahweh. Here's our, our God. He's coming to help us. And I truly believe that many Christians firmly have that from a pure, from a pure type of heart. They have been deceived by these leaders, and they do believe, like, look, he's going to come save us. But they don't understand that the saving comes through the fire, through the affliction. Ooh, I'm sorry, my eyes are tearing up for what's coming to this nation and this world. And, ooh, I am begging Yahweh every night, all night I wake up hours in the night and I'm begging him <laughs> begging him for mercy on his people remember his covenant in his wrath remember mercy and I'm trying to share desperately share desperately with people turn from their unrighteousness in fact I find myself in a really odd predicament because as a photographer I've always tried to focus on the humility and the humble and the families and stuff like that and well recently I've been doing these sessions with young women, and I, I tell them up front, we, we conference call, and I say, please dress modest. We want to not, a rite of passage is not about being a sex object, and so I'm very focused on that. I do not believe it's wrong to have pictures, right, photos. Some people say that's an idol, but the, 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 temp, the temple was filled with idols then because the temple has carved pomegranates and all of this stuff, and every time I've prayed about it, the Father has never told me photos are wrong. He's always told me vanity is wrong, and that's where I, you know, I find the struggle. At the same point, I have literally prayed, Father, only bring me the souls to whom I'm supposed to share, and I give them Bibles at the end of the session. I, the whole time, focus, I try to get them. Sometimes they, <laughs> they're just doing things, I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> please <laughs> stop. Um, I'm trying to push them to holiness. I'm talking about, God made you beautiful, look at that beautiful smile you have. Because a lot of the students that have been sent to me, to be honest, are people with very low self-esteem. Praise Father for that. They have, and I'm able to show them God's beauty in them, but I don't want it to be physical. I'm constantly focused. I'm trying to tell them things like, oh, you know, you have a beautiful smile from Yahweh. Light up the world with that smile. Show him your, show the world God's love. Let God show through you. You know, those are the things I'm saying during the session. Um, and so... My point is, I'm trying to get ready people ready for what's coming. I always ask for people who need to hear to be sent to me. <laughs> and I don't always know how to handle the situations because I'm the type of woman who wears, you know, shirts buttoned up to my neck and extremely modest, loose-fitting pants and 
does not want vain pictures. I don't even care. Like I go online without even combing my hair. I'm like, whatever, because I think I should just be real. And this is who Yahweh made me to be. And But at the same point, I'm taking that opportunity to share. And so share, share, share where you're at. Turn them to righteousness. Share, meet them where they're at. You know, (laughs) I'm not going to go sit in a bar, drink a beer with somebody, but by George, if I pass them on the street or if I'm somewhere and they're buying beer, I'm not going to condemn them or judge them. I'm going to reach out a hand and I'm going to share with them and kind of sit with them a minute and, and talk to them and help walk with them so maybe they can leave that path. So I think right now more than ever, we are fishing, fishing, fishing because the hunting's coming, as Jeremiah says. So I'm sorry, that was a long... <laughs> Did you miss me? Did you miss my long tangents? <laughs> I love you. <laughs> okay, so... Okay, the ground was shaking with their rejoicing in Yahweh. Let's get back on track. You know where I was going with that. The shaking is coming to this whole world. Okay. So the Philistines heard the sound of the war cry and asked, what's this loud shout in the Hebrews' camp? When the Philistines discovered that the Ark of Yahweh had entered the camp, they panicked. You know why they panicked? Because they knew that the God of Israel was real. They panicked because here's Israel rejoicing because the ark that represented their God that carried his presence was there. But little did the Philistines know, the Palestinians, which does the same thing, um, little did they understand that God really wasn't with them because they were sinning. And this is what I've said from day one. You can't curse God's people, but you can curse yourself. Okay, so other people can't, the better way to phrase this, other people really can't come against us unless we bring the curses on ourselves. We open the door to Satan. Now, we can be afflicted like Satan afflicted Job. I get that. But primarily, we open the door to be attacked. And what were they doing? They were allowing in the priests who were corrupt, like every church has done and most Messianic synagogues have done. Most messianic fellowships. I don't know the word. I don't even. I don't even know the word to use there. Anyway, and they said, "A God has entered their camp." They said, "Woe to us! Nothing like this has happened before. Woe to us! Who will rescue us from these magnificent gods?" Now they don't understand who he is, but they realize that he's great and glorious. These are the gods that slaughtered the Egyptians with all kinds of plagues in the wilderness. Show some courage and be men, Philistines. Otherwise, you'll serve the Hebrews just as they served you. Now be men and fight. Obviously, they're saying to man up. So the Philistines were hard, uh, hard pressed to be beaten. They did not want to be beaten. They did not want to be the servants. So they raised themselves up. And I would say that, you know, Satan probably gave them help. But so might have Yahweh because Yahweh was going to punish Israel and the house of Eli. So the Philistines fought and Israel was defeated and each man fled to his tent. The slaughter was severe, 30,000 of the Israelite foot soldiers fell. The Ark of Elohim was captured and Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, died. That same day, remember the prophecy that they were going to die through Samuel? Go back and listen to the other podcasts. Okay, that same day, a Benjamite man ran from the battle and came to Shiloh. His clothes were torn and there was dirt on his head. When he arrived, there was Eli sitting on his chair beside the road watching because he was anxious about the Ark of Elohim. Eli had a fear of God, but something stopped him. And I can relate to Eli many times. You know, have I been in a position where I let people empower, do things that they shouldn't do? I don't think so. But I have felt before when I see people doing things that are contrary to the Torah and contrary to Yahweh, I've shared with them, but then I don't know how to stop them. 
Same thing like I was just kind of talking about with the, some of these senior photo sessions. You know, so I've always asked you, have you helped me not to be like Eli? Like I'm sharing boldly. I'm sharing, sharing, sharing. Um, help me, help me, help me to carry it through so that I can actually turn them to righteousness and not compromise and condone unrighteousness. But it's, it's, here's this man, Eli, he loved, you could tell he had a fear of Yahweh. He respected and, and, and understood that he was, that Yahweh spoke to Samuel. He, it, it's just, but what I always think he should have done was repent. He should have said, okay, Father God, help me to turn from this sin. And he, and again, maybe that's it. Maybe he's just complacent, like, well, okay, well, whatever happens, happens. And I'm definitely not like that. But I do relate to sometimes not knowing how to stop somebody from sin. It's their own sin. I've walked away from people in those situations. Like, okay, well, I guess I have to walk away until they figure things out. Because I don't know what to do. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I, you know, I'm always praying for wisdom. So I just am trying to be really open with you guys right now. Just because I've gone through a lot and, and been through a lot of fiery testing trials and been refined a lot in the last 21 years of Torah walking, doesn't mean I have it all figured out. We're all learning. We're all still there. So let's help each other, pray for each other, okay? Because we need that. Okay, so when the man entered the city to give the, re the report, the entire city cried out. Eli heard the outcry and asked, why this commotion? The man quickly came and reported to Eli. At that time, Eli was 98 years old and his eyes couldn't move because he couldn't see. That's awkward. <laughs> his eyes were like just glazed over. Oh, it's so sad. Death is such a horrible sting. The man said to Eli, I'm the one who came from the battle. I fled from there today. What happened, my son? Eli asked. The messenger answered, Israel has fled from the Philistines, and also there was a great slaughter among the people. Your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are both dead, and the Ark of Elohim has been captured. When he mentioned the Ark of Elohim, Eli fell backward off the chair by the city gate, and since he was old and heavy, his neck broke, and he died. Eli had judged Israel 40 years. So he was so horrified at what happened. He fell over backwards. And Jewish people, we are very dramatic. <laughs> so I'm assuming there was some, like, oi, vey, oi, and all the hands going up, <laughs> falling backwards. That's not funny. I don't know. But just as the drum, we are very dramatic people. Um, Eli fell over backwards. And he was apparently fat, broke his neck, and he died. Broke his neck. What does your neck symbolize? Yahweh says many times in scripture, you are stiff-necked, and that's rebellion. Not listening, not turning. If you've ever had an animal which you've bridled, you understand if you pull on one side and, and, and lay the rope on that opposite side of the neck, they're supposed to turn the opposite side the rope is laid on, on which the side, on which the rope is laid. And vice versa, right? You know, if they're supposed to, you pull back on the reins. If they're supposed to stop, you give them some slack if they can go. So when we're not listening to Yahweh to turn to the left or the right or whatever way he wants us to turn, our neck is becomes stiff because we're fighting him. And right here, Eli's neck broke. Yahweh broke that stiffness in his neck. Eli's daughter-in-law, the wife of Phinehas, was pregnant and about to give birth. When she heard the news about the capture of Elohim's Ark and the deaths of her father-in-law and her husband, she collapsed and gave birth because her labor pains came on her. So she went in great stress, went into great stress, duress, and had went into premature birth. As she was dying, 
the women taking care of her said, don't be afraid, you've given birth to a son. But she did not respond or pay attention. So she had died during childbirth. She named the boy Ichabad, which means where is glory, Ichavod. Chavod is glory. So, Ichavod, Ichavod, Ichavod. It would be it. So, where's the glory? Saying, the glory has departed from Israel. Referring to the capture of the Ark of Elohim and to the deaths of her father-in-law and her husband. The glory has departed from Israel, she said, because the Ark of Elohim has been captured. Whew. I really believe this is what's coming soon to our country. The harlot hasn't turned people to righteousness. I have met with many, many pastors who understand that Sunday's not the Sabbath, Christmas is pagan, Easter's pagan, that these things are wrong. Yet they still do them. They don't stop them. And we are literally commanded not to do that. I believe the glory of these wicked churches filled with the anti-Messiah, the spirit, is who, he's called the man of lawlessness. Daniel tells us he was the one who will turn people against the law. He will try to change God's times and laws. That glory would be coming down soon. I believe for a time it will look like it's rising up to fight off the so-called, quote, perceived enemy of the Muslim empire, which, yeah, it is an enemy. I'm not saying it's not. But they are going to, it will look like a Messiah comes from that system to save, quote, the Holy Land, which it is the Holy Land. I'm not, I don't know why I said quote there, but um, to, quote, save, I should say, quote, save, because they're not going to be saving it. I put the quote in the wrong place. But those who know their Elohim, those who know the Torah, will not be deceived. We must stay strong. And we must keep reaching and fishing for those still stuck in the system. And we must desperately right now try to get them out. So their eyes are opened, their ears are open, their hearts are ready to receive. Because when we see the glory of Yahweh leave this earth and shatter it, we will understand it's for the transgressions of us and our people, the defilement that we have brought to the earth Yahweh created for his glory that has done nothing but be contrary to him. And it is preparing, the shaking will prepare the place to be cleansed for the return of our Messiah. So may we be bold to stand up for his truth, righteousness, and we, may we actively be seeking to pull those people out of the dark places so God can have his bride his people, the ones whom he created to worship him. Much blessings to you all, and I pray you have a blessed Shabbat, Shabbat Shalom.